This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. How much do you know about your family history? Can you name every cousin and all the drama? How much of that history is hidden under wraps? Best-selling author and National Book Award winner Elizabeth Acevedo explores the March family's history through its women and their secrets. And she joins us now. Welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So after three books, Elizabeth, focusing on young adults, this is your first adult novel. And, and from what I've read, there was a point of view switch from the matriarchs to the incoming generations. So what was that like, writing and switching between the two? You know, it was really special to occupy the the characters of the older generation, the elders who are in their late 60s, early 70s. It required me to um, really think about my mom and her sisters. My mom is one of 15 children, one of nine sisters. And so I had to consider my, my aunts and my mom and that generation of women uh, in a way I had never really sat with what it means to live that many decades and and walk through the world with some of the questions that they had. Yeah. You know, I've been spending a lot of time in, in the heads of teens and it was a a kind of switch and to find the child in that that kind of person. And so it was um it was a special kind of book to have to write for sure. Yeah. And you you just said the key thing. You're so used to writing for teens. So I, what was that like going to, to writing for <laughs> grown-ups? You know, the, the the switch didn't feel that difficult to me. I think that it's almost like I, I write the same note. I'm just changing the register. For me with teens, I write about mother-daughter relationships. I write about diaspora stories. I'm thinking about race and gender and first-time experiences, right? I think that when I'm writing these older women, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 70-year-olds, mm -hmm. what, what I had to just switch is... Um, just knowing that the audience was going to be a little bit older, a little bit more mature. And so I, I could let them do some of the work, right. In a way that maybe with teens, I would, uh, try to, to hold on to them a little longer, try to make the work more tender. This has some tenderness, but, but it's, it's a hard book, right? It requires readers to, to do a good amount of labor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a multi-generational story. It's it's following six different women, four sisters, mm -hmm. their daughters. I mean, keeping track of all the stories. Was that <laughs> was that a challenge? You know, I was lucky enough to have uh, a wall of post-its that was organized and color coded. Um, and so <laughs> wow. I could kind of keep track of, of who was who. And, and the women's voices felt so distinct to me. Each character has this kind of magical quirk, I call it. And, and that really guided my understanding of the character. So if this one can see the future, she's a little bit less connected to reality. She's, she's seeing, you know, death coming. If this one can tell if you're lying, she's a little bit bitter. She's, you know, dealt with a lot of folks who aren't telling her the truth. And so I was able to kind of hold on to those quirks and let them carry me through the different characters. Not to mention their gifts, right? You know, from predicting when, when someone will die mm -hmm. to knowing when they're lying plus an yeah. affinity for limes, right? So can you, can you tell us more <laughs> about where those ideas came from? I I really want to think about, at least in, in my culture, I feel like Dominicans have this relationship to their bodies that is very, uh, we like have a sense of ourselves, but but there's also 
a ways in, in which religion or propriety has taught folks to kind of disengage from their own feelings and from their bodies and from their instinct. Um, and so for me, this reclamation of the body came from this magic, right? To inherit a taste for limes, to, um, you know, your mind's eye being able to predict what's going to happen, your gut being able to tell you that someone's lying. It was a reconnection for these women to a body that they had been taught was like to be seen, but not not do any of the things that bodies are meant to do. Mm -hmm. And so the magic is is about beauty. And it also is about, you know, how can you have something that is driving you so powerfully that you can do nothing but listen to it? Yeah. And and for those of us who maybe are are taught not to listen to our bodies, you know, I hope that it it has some interesting thoughts and critiques there on on, on what society is trying to do when they tell us to like ignore, yeah. you know, our parts of ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you write this so masterfully, right? I mean, I, I think I can call it even the book of switching because you're also switching from past <laughs> to present. And, and from a, a pacing standpoint, it's it's taking place over three days. We're going from New York City to Jersey to the Dominican Republic. What meaning do those places have to you? You know, I love that. The the book of swishing. Have you ever danced bachata? Yes. I love bachata. Okay. I love, <laughs> I love bachata. So it's actually my favorite, favorite Latin dance, hands down. You know what? Me too. I I, I love salsa and the there's a character in the book that dances salsa. Yeah. I love merengue, but bachata for me. Something about something... the rhythm, the 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 way that you mm -hmm. move your hips to the beat. Like, mm -hmm. ooh, I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. And bachata, you you know, is all about three steps forward, three mm -hmm. steps back. Three steps to the right, three steps to the left. And right. you can cross an entire ballroom, right? But you're doing it with these three steps. I think this novel was kind of written in the tradition of, of bachata. It is about this movement. When you think you're in the present and you're moving three steps forward, and then the character is like dragging you back in time, right? They're taking you to a memory. They they aren't able to release themselves from the memories, particularly as they're preparing for a living wake, mm. right? And so they're, they're considering what does it mean to face death and what does it mean to face the choices that you've made that have got you here. And so for me, writing that was um, really thinking about telling a non-traditional story in a non-traditional style, or at least what we would not consider uh, a very Western style, right? Yeah. Really a Caribbean tale, a, a tale about storytelling, which... I don't know about you, but my family members, when they're out here telling stories, there's stories within stories within stories. Oh my and goodness. To, and you're like, what, what were we talking about again? Absolutely. Right? Me, <laughs> it was fun to try to capture those voices in that way, to try to chronicle, you know, storytelling and oral history. I love and, that. And upholding that. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. And and I mean, you're bringing to mind, I just recently came back from a family reunion of sorts. It was a wedding, but you know that that brings everybody okay. together. Yeah. And I just remember yeah. this one moment at, you know, a family cookout where all the men were around my dad and some uncles and so forth. And they were just mm -hmm. telling these stories. And I was sitting there. So the journalist in me just soaking it up because the <laughs> stories, as you said, just kept bouncing from one thing to the yeah. next. And I was like, really, that happened? She said that or he did right. that? Uh, right. But, you know, you love it. You cherish it. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. of your your narrator, Ona, as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. documenting her family's history here, but also taking an interest in Dominican history. Did you right. did you have to do any research for that character? I did. And and the novel took a couple of different shapes. Right. It originally, Ona's 
is the anthropologist in the family, and she was writing these abstracts that were kind of um, insights into the research that she's doing. And then um, that just didn't gel the way I wanted it to. And I realized that similar to how you just described, you're listening to the story, you're like, wait, did that really happen? Right? <laughs> that, that she was she was disrupting. She is disrupting the tales that she's receiving. She is, um, she is the storyteller is as much a part of the story that we are are hearing. She is collecting it. She is coming through and making her own asides. And so I did have to do research to contextualize certain things to um, to understand it myself. As an example, there's this moment where you realize that the the grandmother to the youngest generation, at least, so the elder's mother, um, she is someone who has kind of sent all her children to other family members. Mm -hmm. And this was a practice that I had heard of. You know, I had different aunts who had to go stay with different people when they were young. And at one point while I'm writing the story, I'm like, wait, why did this happen? Yeah. Right. And I asked my mom and I get her story. And then I like started doing research and learned about this system of loaning children and how common it was and how informal it was and how it was, you know, an attempt to provide a certain amount of education, but, yeah. but also those children would kind of work as servants in more affluent family members' houses. And to me, it was it was startling, right? And mm -hmm. so there were moments where I had to, where I didn't even know the questions I needed to be asking. And then I asked and I'm like, oh, here's this historical thing that like is really curious that I'm going to have to look more into. Mm, interesting. So I understand the book and then, and then it would end up in Ona's voice. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Our guest is best-selling author and National Book Award winner Elizabeth Acevedo. We're talking about what it was like writing her first novel for adults. Family Lore follows the story of one Dominican-American family told through the voices of its women. Uh, so the book, you started when one of the sisters, Floor, um, that's the one who can predict when people die. She wants to throw her own living wake why did you choose this moment to start the story off? I needed something that could hold all of the collections and memories. And the concept of a living weight to me is fascinating. I mean, we're in a moment where we're constantly hearing people saying like, you know, um, give this person their flowers, give that person their flowers. And I was just curious about what about if you're giving yourself your own flowers? You're like demanding that people come and... And you're also offering an opportunity, you know, so often you don't get to say goodbye when when someone is going to pass. We don't have a lot of rituals for um, for practicing dying. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and practicing celebrating people when they're dying. And so I think it was a curious moment in the ways that we have a lot of stories that take place at funerals or take place at weddings or take place at birthdays. What would it mean to have this living wake where there is an expectation of um, something's at play? We think someone's going to die. And what what do we have to say? Yeah. And so it just felt like the perfect premise to kind of hold all of the the different things these women were carrying. Yeah. Uh, and you you go in in a different direction here than we're used to seeing. Right. You're talking about motherhood, immigration, fertility. These themes they weren't the focus in your previous books. Were you nervous to take on such complex ideas? I think that that death was probably the biggest idea that I was nervous about taking on. And yeah. especially it's almost like a pre-grieving, right? Because um, 
there's a there's an existentialism there that I, I that was what I was most nervous about. But infertility, I mean, I think that all the other ones were were ones that I was so familiar hearing personal stories about or hearing family members talk about or you know, situations I had undergone myself and and hadn't seen in text and hadn't seen in text about, you know, Black Latina women. And so for me, it kind of felt like, well, why why wouldn't I write about this then? Like I'm I'm over here journaling um and and feeling all my feelings and then talking to my mom. And she's like, oh, I had that. Oh, that happened to me. Oh, this, oh, your grandmother. And I'm like, how didn't we, how did it I know this? Right. And so I think it 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 just reaffirmed. Mm-hmm you know, that it was, it was something I wanted to really focus on in my next book. You, this book, this book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, you, you also, you yourself became a new mother, right? Did you pull from your own experience as a first time mom? Thankfully, because I think the book would have become something different. Um, I, I gave birth probably a week after I turned the book in. Oh, wow. Um, So, but, but I did have, I did have, I was diagnosed with fibroids at the same time that I was on submission for this book. So Mm. turning it into different editors, I had surgery while I was working on the novel and, and I, you know, got pregnant. And so I, I had a a kind of, um, you know, not difficult fertility process, but, but it wasn't easy either. Yeah. It was challenging. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. In trying to get pregnant, I realized, oh, there's this there's this thing in my uterus that has to be removed, right? So it was an entire process. So this book was written alongside some some personal journeys that I was undergoing. Um, for sure, the pregnancy ends up in the book. There's a lot of moments where I realized um, these mothers, what what was it like for them to carry their daughters or to or to to empathize with their own mothers because of what what pregnancy was for for that matriarch. And so I think there was a lot that I learned on how to write. Um, pregnancy and loss. Mm, yeah. This wasn't a, a book where you got the idea one day and then you kept writing until you <laughs> finished, right? It sounds like there were gaps. Yes. Yeah. I, I started, the concept came in 2009. I was visiting one of my aunts in the Bronx and I'm like, she's such a badass. Like she's who needs to be <laughs> the main character of yeah. the book. But I wasn't even writing fiction at the time. I was, um, I was working on a one woman show using spoken word poetry. And so I didn't think that, you know, that was something I was going to write anytime soon. So it took a while to kind of let things percolate and come together and figure out the structure. Um, I started in 2019, so almost 10 years after having the initial idea. And then it wasn't really until we were in social isolation at the very beginning of, of the pandemic here in the U.S. that that I hunkered down and, and, you know, started my writing practice every single day, kind of sitting with these women. So mm-hmm. it, it was written stop and start over the course of, of a couple of years. Um, once I sat down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said in a time magazine article once that this book helped you quit the idea of being liked. How so? <laughs> I think one of the challenges that comes with having books or a book that are is really popular is that it's, it's easy to want to be beloved for all of your work. And I, I think with this book, I knew I was taking a lot of risks structurally and it's a different audience 
Um, and not all of these characters are likable or even knowable mm -hmm. in some ways. Um, and I, in order to write it, I had to let go of who I perceived as was my audience or who I perceived what I what I thought I needed. Like, I want them to like it. Like, that could no longer be the focus. I want them to be interested. I want people to be curious. I want to write language that is moving. But, but liked felt like... I, I can't control what people do or don't like. Mm -hmm. And in, in trying to write this truthfully, um, that couldn't be the pursuit anymore. I, I know there's going to be a lot of things that will have people disgruntled and, and nonetheless, it needed to be there. Yeah. You know, representation of, of young Latinas as the main characters in young adult novels. And I'm talking especially for Dominican and Afro-Latinas. That's important for you, right? Mm -hmm. Critical. Yes. I always say my books are like a gala. Um, everyone's invited to come dance, enjoy, but the women on the stage who are being celebrated yeah. are Black Latinas. That's who's that's who I'm applauding for. Yeah. What kind of feedback do you get from the audience about how they relate to characters like Samara? I've been so, um, so lucky that, you know, these stories that I wrote um, just really wanting to love up on, on our young women have resonated. And so many, so many girls write to me via DMs on Instagram, or they write me letters, or they email me, you know, that, that they too have had difficult situations with their mother, or they too are poets and haven't been able to express that or, or, you know, done anything with their work, except write it furiously in their journal and then you know, hide it, um, or that they just moved, that they didn't know that they had some of those same feelings. And then they read these books and it's like, there's language to put to things they haven't processed. And so I'm, I'm so lucky that I get to hear from my readers as, as often as I do, and that the books are brought into classrooms and they're taught and, and then they're used for these young people to write their own stuff, which I think is, is so beautiful, mm -hmm. or they're used to like, create little family book clubs. The number of moms who have hit me up and are like, I read this book with my daughter and it just oh. allowed us to talk in ways we'd never talk. Like that to me is um, the utmost compliment. So what's next? What can we expect from you? Oh, well, I am um, launching this and, and learning how to be a mom, but I have a, a YA novel that I've been working on for a while that deals with mental health between two siblings. And I have another adult book that uh, specifically deals with black maternal health care um, and ancestor worship. Ooh. And so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I haven't left the realm of, of the living and the dead and, and processing the in-between yet. Ooh, so I'll be looking for that one. <laughs> Can't wait. Well, I appreciate that. Elizabeth Acevedo <laughs> is a best-selling author and national book award winner. Family Lore releases on Tuesday, August 1st, and she'll be in Chicago on August 9th. You better check that out. Thank you so much for being here, Elizabeth. We appreciate you. Thank you, Sasha. Take care.